This is the Baltimore Annapolis Psychotherapy Podcast. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's Laura Reagan, LCSWC, with today's episode. Hi, welcome to today's podcast. I'm very excited today to have a guest with me. Kathy Canfield, LCSW, has agreed to be interviewed. So, Kathy, thank you for being here. Thanks, Laura. I'm really excited about this. Me too. Kathy is uh, the director of Counseling of Alexandria. You being sort of right down the road, we haven't had a chance to meet in person yet, but we've gotten to know each other a little bit through social media, and I'm really excited about all the things you do in your practice. So, um, can you just tell me first, tell us all first a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Thanks, Laura. I um, have been in practice a little over three years on my own in Alexandria now. been working in the field a little bit more than 10 years at this point. So I've just always been really passionate about, uh, went into this first to work with kids and love that kids can uh, be more fully in the moment and that they can also do a lot of work and therapy just through movement, through play, and through art, and as I've gotten more excited about that, and then, you know, just looking at the research on trauma and the research on doing more mind-body practices, I've moved into a few other things that we'll talk about some more, but like EMDR um, and Reiki, and I also have an art therapist as part of my practice now. Wonderful. And so you are a licensed clinical social worker in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you want to talk a little bit about your background with your education? Uh, Sure. I'm from the Midwest, so I have a bachelor's in sociology and then my master's is in social work from the University of Southern Indiana. Um, And I was out there for a while and did a few uh, just... I think my definitely education-wise continued right after my master's program, worked in psychiatric hospitals um, and worked in some home-based, more traditional social work type of positions and always has done work in um, just mental health and a lot with families and children. Wonderful. I'm excited to hear that you're a sociology undergrad. That was my undergrad too. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Okay, so um, we had an interview before on my blog where I asked you about how you used EMDR in your practice and um, what that blog series is about, how people integrate mind, body, spirit, um, holistic practices into their traditional therapy work or practices in general that can be a part of therapy. So um, I realized that you are now offering Reiki too. And I love that you do art therapy. I know you say you do play therapy, EMDR. And so we both have a similar population of clients that we work with, working with people who've experienced trauma. So can you just talk more about how do you do those things in your practice? And you can kind of start wherever you want to. Sure. Uh, I'll start with just first meeting with a client or with a parent. It's, I just don't think that a cookie cutter approach works for everyone so I like to think of these different tools as part of my toolkit Um, and 
so after meeting for the first time, then I kind of get a little feel of, okay, this might be a good person to use some EMDR therapy with, or, you know, maybe we need to start with play therapy. I often do that with kids. They'll start with play therapy to build our relationship. Um, and then I might use some EMDR with them and then we'll stay in a play therapy relationship. Um, adults often come in and say, you know, I want you to use EMDR with me and that's how I heard about you and very specifically want to do that. Um, the interesting thing with looking at trauma is that trauma doesn't mean that you saw, you know, something really terrible happen or that something really bad happened to you. It could be, I always go to this example because I think it's universal, something really embarrassing in middle school, you know, a teacher called you out or you were a klutz in gym class or, you know, you just wore the wrong outfit that you thought was really cool and everyone made fun of you that day, that we all have things like that. So when I start to hear, especially adults, talking about, you know, how certain things or events or kind of touch points in life um, continue to impact them today, that sets up like a really good scenario for using some EMGR work to maybe go to that event where you felt really embarrassed in front of the school and now you can't make speeches in public without getting really nervous because of what happened in seventh grade. And so I try to think of it as I know I have these tools. Sometimes I use a couple of tools with a client. Sometimes we might primarily use just one. It just, you know, kind of depends. Some people are very open to, uh, you do some mindfulness and some meditation and practice. Some people will do that in a session with me or experiment with it on their own. Um, and it might not be for others. So it's just seeing what feels good. But that the body, um, I really work to integrate somewhere with our body. Um, because our bodies have memories as well as our, our minds and our feelings. And I've just seen great results since starting to integrate parts of our body in my work. That's so cool. And... Um what you said about how, you know, there may be experiences that were extremely shaming or something that you just can't, you can't move past, even though you don't feel it affects you. It's something that, you know, connects to something that seems to be holding you back. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think it's such a challenge to um, help people understand that, you know, when I say I work with people who've experienced trauma and, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who say, oh, well, I haven't experienced any trauma. And then um, if I do a trauma assessment, they'll have multiple, multiple experiences that qualify as being traumatic events, mm. that, but they don't identify it that way. So I think, you know, when you think about the humiliation of being you know, dressed wrong or having, right. you know, something really embarrassing happen in middle school and how you kind of take that in as, you know, I just didn't fit. I was an, you know, I was an outcast. Everyone was making fun of me. And, you know, right. that can really affect someone's confidence throughout their life. For sure. So For sure. I love that you said that and, um, and see that as traumatic experiences. Mm. It's like if it affects the person as trauma, then it's trauma. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would go so far to say is that it's universal. Like, we all have yes. something. We, it's so if you say, like, we universally have something traumatic. And thinking of, like, just being embarrassed in, in middle school or high school, it's essentially a social death. You know, it's all. Yeah. It's, it is traumatic. You could become an outcast. And it's just looking at it through the lens of, you know, we don't need to be ashamed that these things have happened and try to bury them, but that we can look at them, look at the roots of what's going on. And, and EMDR is a great therapy because it's what's happening today. How is that being driven by what's maybe happened in the past? And then how is that past going to impact your future? You know, if we can, we can go back and essentially rework a past event to mean something different, then that could be, that can impact the rest of your life in a positive way. And it can also just think about, I, I think sometimes about generations that. So true. Yeah, that we don't pass our pain down to our children and then they don't pass that down to theirs. So true. Amazing. Yeah. I, having worked with a lot of families, um, I've seen the ways that, you know, prior generations experience of oppression and traumatization, victimization mm. can, mm-hmm. you know, influence their, the way they interact with their children, the way they interpret their children's behavior. And of course, how a parent interprets their child's behavior affects the child, because right. if, you know, the child is doing something that's normal for a child, but it's something that the parent feels is being disrespectful, you know, the child can feel shamed and it's just really a cycle. So thanks for mentioning that. That's such a good point. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey for myself that I, um, you know, with the EMDR, I was very fortunate that I just was always very curious about it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really get it past that, but it just sounded fun. <laughs> it sounded cool. And I was just um, always just someone that didn't see myself just sitting in a chair. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't think my body's built for that. So I love that I can um, help people use, use the movement and, you know, process things out through both our, our mind, our emotions and our bodies. I've seen, seen some really great things happening. And also, of course, with play therapy that, you know, I've had kids that maybe their parents are separated and going through a divorce and they play a scene out through two dollhouses mm. and they oh, don't wow. say a word. And that's the other thing with EMDR that's great, too, is we don't have to describe anything in detail. Like, we just we can just work on wherever someone feels comfortable and that because we're integrating things through our, our brains and our bodies and our, our feelings, the work happens. The work happens internally. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marich, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. 
The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marich is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie, and I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises, it's okay, it's normal, and here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to instituteforcreativemindfulness.com and use promo code 15 for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy. know that small actions can make a big difference in our lives. I know for me, I can be in a terrible mood, go out somewhere and see a stranger, make eye contact and just smile at them and find suddenly I feel good. Whether it's practicing mindfulness a few minutes each day, movement practices, small actions can have big benefits, like how taking care of your gut can support whole body health. Seeds DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. Your body is an ecosystem and great health starts in the gut. Your gut is a central hub for various pathways through the body and a healthy gut microbiome means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, our immune systems, and more. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com living and use code 25living to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com living, code 25living. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. That's so great that you mentioned not having to describe things in detail because I think a lot of people are uncomfortable getting therapy for trauma because they think, I don't want to have to talk about what I went through. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can certainly understand why someone would feel that way. But so EMDR can be a nonverbal work. Is that correct? Yes. And we can also just um, stay in the present. You know, I, I will ask people 
all right, how, what kind of feelings do you have right now? Maybe they say sadness, maybe they say anger, and they'll say, can you locate that feeling in your body anywhere? Um, you know, my chest feels tight or my palms are getting hot. We can work with the present, just like just those feelings, those sensations that are happening right now. And I kind of think of it in a way of metabolism. We can metabolize out some of that stuff for relief. And that's without talking about anything in the past. Like just right now, what does it feel like? That's such a great analogy, the metabolism, because you're literally trauma is something unresolved in your body. It's like there's something in you that needs to pass through, but it's not going. Exactly. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. I've never heard that analogy before. I love that. Yeah, it's, and it's just the more work that I do, that, and, and I've done my own EMDR therapy. I'm definitely, I'm always happy to volunteer that to anyone I work with that, because um, a good in- example for me was any time I noticed attention was on me or that if I was doing public speaking, my ears would turn hot, mm. red, like red and burning. And I did some EMDR uh, reprocessing during our training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the re- after doing that, you know, I found something in my past. I can't remember what it was now. That was something from school that was that brought that on where I felt embarrassed. So it always, it was like my ears remembered that. And, it, it, you know, there was nothing I was doing to make that happen consciously. Yeah. So my ears would always be red hot. So we did some reprocessing during our training. My ears were hot the rest of that night until I went to bed. And then they were, it was gone the next day. And that does not happen to me anymore. When I, when I notice attention on me or when I speak in public, they, they don't pop up. Do you feel different too when you, other than your ears, when you're doing public speaking? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we just have that flight or fight response mm-hmm. that it, a lot of people have this with public speaking that your body starts to take over and it does not matter how you know logically prepared you feel or confident you feel if your body has gotten some kind of sign of it's time to run uh, but then you don't run so then you, you're like forcing your body into this situation where your survival instinct is saying get out of there right now mm-hmm. you there's nothing I don't think there's anything logically you can just do to stop that. Right. You can't just tell your body to not have its parasympathetic response. Yeah. 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 You can't say it's fine. You practice. So that's also a really great point in our therapy is that everyone I see, especially adults, like they've already logic their way into trying to figure it out way before they come to see us, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I shouldn't be so worried about that, or that happened a long time ago. What's wrong? You know, and then it becomes something more shaming because I haven't been able to figure this out in my head yet. Yeah. And our heads can really, really analyze and really, really come up with a lot of explanations. But if you don't get it in your body and your, in your heart, you know, and I guess in your soul, really, you just, it's not going to feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm hearing myself say often right now, you know, that when I am with a client saying that your your brain is trying to apply logic to a situation that, that this has no logic. This is not based in logic. 
Exactly. It's those different parts of your brain. The primitive part is having the reaction and the logical part's going, don't worry about it. It's okay. No big deal. Mm-hmm. And the primitive part's like, get out of here quick. Yeah. 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 I know. Um, I know I've certainly had my own anxiety about public speaking and I do, um, I do do it fairly often, but, um, when I do it, I'm nervous and I, I calm myself, but my body still has the response, you know, so I'll be like sweating or I'll be like shaking afterwards, you know, and I'm like, whoo, <laughs> all the adrenaline's just running through my body. Exactly. So you can't, you know, you can, our brains are very amazing and what they can try to do to protect us. But, you know, your body is also trying to protect you in a different way. Yeah, yeah. So can you talk about how movement happens in EMDR? Is it the therapist moving, the client moving, both? Um, well, sometimes the therapist, but it's usually the client. So the very, the very first way they used EMDR was just having a client move their eyes left and right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they discovered it was about bilateral stimulation. So that just means some some kind of stimulus left and then right that registers left brain, right brain. Okay. Uh, so the, before we had any of our technology around it, you would essentially just tap on your client's legs, left, right, left, right, okay. on, the, on their knees. So I've done that a few times when I've had some, like, equipment fail issues in the middle of a session, unfortunately. But... <laughs> usually it's the client um I've had some really great things where people were processing and their body would feel something um I had someone saying like I just feel stuck I feel like I just need to get moving and we were in the office for a later session and I said no one else is here let's walk up and down the hallway while you do this because she like she felt very inclined to move yeah we did um I've had people, you know, who weren't able to defend themselves in something, maybe it was a fight and they weren't able to put their hands up to, you know, guard themselves that while they're reprocessing, will act that out, mm. will put their arms up to defend themselves. Those are couple of examples that come to mind. So I try to really listen in to what their body is telling them to do. Yeah, that's interesting. I um, I heard Peter Levine from Somatic Experiencing talking mm-hmm. about his work, and it was a similar thing that he said that, um, you know, the person would, the body would move through the movement that it needed to do when it first was happening, but they couldn't for whatever reason. Yeah, 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 based on that idea. Uh-huh. I always... I mean, I knew because of the name eye movement desensitization reprocessing that your eyes were moving, but I thought that was what it was. So I never really understood how that is. But you're saying that the the kind of bilateral stimulation, so tapping on and off one side and the other, are the eyes still moving too? Um, no, you could do that, but not necessarily. Okay. So it's, um, I've read Francine Shapiro developed this and it was first discovered as an eye movement and that she, she says years later now that she, it's such a popular name that she won't be changing it, but that if she could change it, she would leave out the, the EM wouldn't be there. The eye movement wouldn't be there. 
more of like a reprocessing therapy. Oh, well, that makes sense. You have a name. You got to stick with it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> there, I mean, there are uh, ways we can do it with audio also. Hmm. Uh, and, and the way we go in is just, it's like doing a sound check. It's what feels good for your body. Is your body like or dislike checking in this way or that way? And it's just, we custom that to what feels okay for everyone. And everyone has a different preference. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that um, makes me want to ask you about the other thing that really caught my attention, which is Reiki. Mm, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. So I'm very newly trained in Reiki, and I did a level one in January. So Reiki has three levels of training. Mm-hmm. One, two, and then master training. Okay. Um, so I was encouraged, and you're called a Reiki master if you're a teacher, but I'm a Reiki master to just use in, use Reiki on myself for 28 days only. Um, so it's this idea that there's a universal positive energy that we can connect to and then use it for good. Okay. So it's a pretty, pretty simple idea. Um, so you can also use it for yourself. So I've integrated that into my... I guess my own daily personal practice, something I try to make sure I do every day. Um, and I haven't gotten too much into really direct Reiki with clients yet. I definitely use it between sessions for myself. Oh, okay. My own self-care. Yes. Uh, it's something also that I definitely connect with it when I have someone, maybe someone is playing quietly. Um, and just think about sending positive energy to them essentially while they're playing um, or maybe while someone is, there are times during EMDR sessions that someone is quiet. So just kind of sending a positive intention to them at that time also. Hmm. I'm still just kind of integrating it and playing around with how it could be used. I interviewed a, a therapist actually in D.C. that she does, very directly use Reiki in her psychotherapy practice. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marich, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marich is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie, and I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises, it's okay, it's normal, and here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to 
instituteforcreativemindfulness.com and use promo code 15 off for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy. Are you going through menopause or perimenopause? It can be a struggle to find comfort in your body with night sweats, hot flashes, and so many other uncomfortable symptoms. Hormone Harmony is a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause created by Happy Mammoth. They are dedicated to making women's lives easier using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout women's lives. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CHAT at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code CHAT for 15% off today. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is the EMDR therapy training brainchild of Dr. Jamie Marich, a clinician and author who's on a mission to confront stigma around mental health, trauma, and dissociation. The Institute, informed by Jamie's work, teaches a somatic, expressive, bottom-up approach to EMDR therapy that does not treat dissociation like a dirty word. ICM empowers their students to navigate dissociation as a normal response to trauma and stress when it shows up. Dr. Jamie Marich is out and proud on various levels about her own recovery and is a strong believer in the healing capacities of EMDR therapy and helping our clients to heal from the impact of trauma. I and two of my team members have been trained by the Institute for Creative Mindfulness directly with Jamie, and I was impressed with how dissociation really was treated as just a normal aspect of trauma therapy work, which it is. Both Jamie and the consultants were matter of fact about if and when dissociation arises, it's okay, it's normal, and here's how you can help the client in that situation. The Institute for Creative Mindfulness is offering a coupon code to save 15% off any program offered by ICM. This includes their EMDR therapy basic training programs and a wide variety of their home study, advanced topics, and other CE offerings. Go to instituteforcreativemindfulness.com and use promo code 15OFF for listeners. There's a link in the show notes. You can copy the promo code and use the link right there in the show notes to make it easy. I haven't really heard of people doing that too much, but doesn't mean that they aren't. I mean, obviously she is. Right, right. I think yeah, she, she does kind of um, like a mini Reiki session at the beginning. Hmm. And then they do more of like a traditional psychotherapy at the end of the time. Mm-hmm. So, and what is a, um, I've heard of Reiki as being called healing hands or... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know really how it's done. Is it touching or do you, when you send the positive intention, are you near them or are you just across the room and you're just channeling positive energy? Yeah, you can do it a number of ways. So there's the idea that you can send the energy just by looking at someone. Okay. Um, and then also could be touching. So 
support could even be just being very close. The hands um, in our training, we just kept our hands about maybe like two inches or so above the area that we were working on. That was the impression that I had, that it was like your hands are right over. And I was always thinking, well, how does it work if you're not touching? Like, Mm -hmm. but, you know, when you talk about the energy, I guess that's how. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You can feel free to elaborate if you can explain it more, (laughs) but (laughs) I don't know. You know, the the Reiki training is was one of the few things I'm usually a big planner and will even map out a calendar of I'm going to do this training. I'm going to explore this. <laughs> and I, and I heard about it and I was like, I think I'm going to do that. Wow. And I did it. So it was a very intuitively driven thing that I did. And I really connected with the, the Reiki master that I had. And it just, I don't know. It just seemed like it was something that was just the right time. Oh, um, but I love that. Yeah, and I there's a little voice of me that's that's been a skeptic of this too. That you know, but I've said even if it's just a very mindful moment of thinking of sending you know positive thoughts to someone else or myself, that's enough. But in training, I've literally felt physiologically felt energy and shifts in energy. So I, I think it's something. I think the human spirit, soul, energy field, whatever you call it, there's something we have there. Yeah. And, and Reiki's a way of Reiki's a way of like dialing into that and being able to use it in a powerful way. That's awesome. And I think a year ago, I probably would have been very skeptical of that when you said it, I would be like, Oh, that's nice, Kathy. But (laughs) I um, have, you know, begun to be more open to those things, those types of things myself, just hearing um, so many people talking about energy work and intuition. And, you know, I think what I've realized as I begin to, and that's what made me decide to do that blog series, as I begin to look into these things, more I'm I'm very interested so obviously I'm ready now to to understand those things and what I've um, noticed is the effects of the methods I've tried are very real so I haven't done Reiki yet but I definitely will try it and I didn't even know that someone could use it on themselves mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, excellent. I mean it helps me just very basic. I just feel like it's much easier transition into falling asleep at night when I use some at bedtime. Wow. So I, I am really fascinated by that. And I love that you said you use it for your own self care too, because, um, as trauma therapists, we, we bear witness to our clients stories and then, you know, you have a few minutes in between sessions, maybe, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and, and then you hear your next client's story and to be present with them. I've, I've been wondering now for years, what is the best way to be present with a client while they tell you their story or even, you know, you're with them in their pain, Mm -hmm. but then not to take it on to where it becomes your pain. And, you know, I, I believe that self care and, um, 
I think that's really, that question has been the one that drove me to explore other ways besides just, you know, getting your own talk therapy or, you know, getting massages frequently. But I want to know about like real self-care. What's a (laughs) self-care practice look like? And like you said, with doing Reiki every day and doing it in between sessions, that's, that's an intentional self-care practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And I mix up what I do between sessions. It's really, but I, oh, I feel like it's just years for me to come to where I am with my self-care. I think it's a huge challenge for us as mm-hmm. practitioners. We're drawn into this to help other people and we're usually not going into it thinking about how tough it's going to be for us. I didn't at least. No. And we, you know, I think idealistically, when you start doing this work, you think, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to save everyone. And of course, we know that you can't save anyone. You're going through a journey together with someone. But, you know, if you're trying to save them, you're going to feel completely overwhelmed at some point. Mm-hmm. I, and I've read recently, I wish I could remember where from, but that this idea is really sticking with me in the last several months is we cannot move our client beyond our own where we are where we are and I, I feel like with as parents too that's similar with our children we can't move them to a better place than we are right now so I you know it's like taking my own medicine I you know talk to people about being active having fun just for the sake of it you know connecting with nature and slowing down being present so if I have just 15 minutes um, but I'm in this great office where I have a sand tray and I have a meditation bell and uh, plenty of play items. But I've got a huge toolbox for myself. Um, so sometimes I make a, a sand tray of whatever's going on for me. Oh, I love that. Sometimes I listen to some music. It might be, I don't know, it might be fun music, but it might also be just some kind of meditative music. I um, color mandalas sometimes. I love mandalas too. I'm a huge fan of mandalas. But we have to we have to walk the walk. Like you just said, I mean, we tell our clients um all the things that they should do to help nurture themselves and if we don't do the same things, it's hypocrisy for one. <laughs> Put that out there. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, you can't you can't help someone move past where you are. I was listening to something, uh, an audio recording of Brene Brown yesterday, and she said something about that for parenting, that she said, you know, I want my children to be wholehearted, but they're only going to be as wholehearted as I'm able to be. So I have to work on it every day so that I can help them work on it. And it's just the same with self-care. I mean, it all fits together. That's what I'm to realize. So Kathy, will you talk a little bit more about what the, what you your practice offers overall in terms of what your associates can do and things like that, that are different from the, the areas that you do. Sure. Sure. My overall vision for um, a counseling of Alexandria is to make sure that we are not the, you know, I don't have a slogan for it, but we are not this come sit down and chat about your problem practice. We are um, an integrative, you know, everybody that is at the practice is, using some kind of mind-body integrative approach. Um, So I want to just stay under that umbrella for my practice. 
Yeah. Uh, so recently brought on an, an art therapist. Her name is Jackie. She is amazing. Oh. Uh, so, she, you know, she has a huge background in, in doing art therapy and is really passionate about working with kids in art therapy. And and it's, it's a really nice place for adults, too. I think that if I said to an adult, do you want to do play therapy? That will be a lot, a lot more resistance than art therapy, which, you know, that can be tricky, too. So she gets it. Uh, my other associate, Aina, she does a lot of mindfulness training. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also going to be doing EMDR training this summer. Um, and she does some more work as far as, you know, even just the movement, the simple movement of writing something down. We don't think about it that way, but that is an integrative that's something outside of our our brain. That's getting our body moving. So she does some work in journal therapy, also. Oh, yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah, you know, in like mandalas, just I, I've just people. If you sit and chat with me while you color a mandala, you will talk about something different. It will open up a whole new avenue than if we didn't do anything. If we just sat there and talked, I've seen it a lot. So I've seen that too. I agree with you a hundred percent. Someone can be feeling not very connected to what their emotions are about the issue they're discussing. And then they start doing a mandala and they go way deeper and they may start, you know, expressing emotion, like for example, crying where they before were just, you know, very monotone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it moves something. All of these things. Right. And we're, as adults especially, kids get this too, though. But especially as adults, we have spent years, all of us have, crafting really great fences. Yes. And compartmentalization, which, you know what, that has gotten us to where we are. And we can't always be completely aware of what's going on for us and all of our pain. We wouldn't be able to go to work. So I feel like anything movement-based takes away and helps pull back the defenses and hold back the walls to really getting where we need to go for healing. I mean, that's what, yeah, that's what this is all about is you know, helping people find ways of healing. Yes. I love that. I'm fascinated with everything you had to say, and I really appreciate so much how you explained things. I'm really glad you agreed to come and be on the podcast, too. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you. So tell us your website, and I'll put it in the notes, too. Oh, excellent. So it's pretty easy. It's counselingofalexandria.com. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for listening to the Baltimore Annapolis Psychotherapy Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more, visit Laura's website, www.lauraregan.lcswc.com.